KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. For the education ecosystem to be at its best, everyone needs to be pulling in the same direction, from students to parents, teachers, staff, and administrators. What could help these parties get on the same page? One expert thinks understanding our academic identities is key. Our academic identity literally has roots from when we were students, right? And then it's constantly being shaped and formed every single day. Venetia Hubbard is a former teacher and now the lead professional learning designer for NWEA. She's passionate about the concept of academic identity, even wrote a book about it. Collectively, we're all responsible for the academic success of our students. And that's a belief that we have to carry across all disciplines. Academic success is a non-negotiable goal for everyone. I'm Matt Leon, and this week on KYW News Radio in depth, a two part look at important factors affecting classrooms with representatives from NWEA. Today, why giving a name to academic identity matters and how it could shape the way we learn. For people who aren't familiar, the concept academic identity, how do you define it? What is it? And academic identity is like the invisible thread that binds teachers and students to teaching and learning. It's the thing that we all have, but we don't always name and we might not be aware of it. It's the combination of the attitudes and the beliefs and the dispositions that we have about a subject, about teaching and learning in general. And it's essentially how we identify with what we might call academics. Why is that important? It's important because our academic identities influence every single thing that happens in the classroom. And you can have a very healthy academic identity or you can have an unhealthy one. And so I'll start with the unhealthy one. An unhealthy academic identity can look like internalized preconceived notions that we have about students. It can look like the way teachers might shy away from teaching a certain topic in depth because they're not comfortable with it. Unhealthy academic identities can manifest as behavior problems in the classroom. And then on the flip side, if you have a very healthy academic identity, it can open up your intellectual curiosity in ways that make the journey of teaching and learning more enjoyable. Like it brings back the joy of teaching and learning. How important is it for the academic identities of a student and a teacher, not necessarily to be the same, but to complement or or overlap or, or have common ground? Because I would feel like that would be very important for connection. It's extremely important. It's important that we have that alignment because when you think about the students' academic identities and the teachers' academic identities, collectively, we have a classroom academic identity. So it's sort of like, what's the culture here in the classroom? What's our collective belief about what we're experiencing? And so, Matt, you can imagine a fifth grade teacher who might confidently say to their peers, man, I'm not really a math person. And so what they're doing is revealing parts of their academic identities. And so you have to ask yourself, well, what might teaching and learning look like in that person's classroom by the simple fact that they're not a math person? Um, what barriers are they putting up to their students' intellectual curiosity? It's extremely important. Specifically teachers. How much of it is background? How much of it is training? How much of it is where they are, where they're teaching? How do all these things help to make up the academic identity of an educator? It is a combination of all of those things. So our academic identity literally has roots from when we were students, 
right? And then it's constantly being shaped and formed every single day. So every experience that you have impacts your academic identity, whether positively or negatively. And sometimes it can stem from things that people say to you. It can stem from that inner tape that's running in your mind about how you feel about something, which is then fed by what other people are saying to you. It can stem from an experience that you have where maybe you're told that the way you're thinking about something is so wrong and off and your grades reflect that. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, I'm not a success. I'm not capable of this. So our academic identities are being formed and shaped all the time. How important is it? And once again, I want to look at this first from an educator standpoint, because I think you would be more cognizant of of this than, you know, a student, especially your younger students. But how mm-hmm. how important is it to understand your academic identity when you're presenting to a class to kind of understand where you're coming from and that maybe the people you're teaching don't have a lot of the experiences? And I don't mean course experience. I mean, life experience. And to be open to learning about their experience so that there you can develop that common ground. It's something, again, that we need to be aware of, and we don't necessarily need to dwell on it and harp on it all the time. It's not something where you might check in and say every single day, where's my academic identity today? Am I a, a firm academic identity? Am I forming it? Uh, we don't need that discrete level of awareness, but we do need to be aware of how it's showing up. And so as a teacher, what you want to do is listen to the things that your students say, because that gives you keys to where their academic identity is. So we want to be aware of it to the sense that we're paying attention to see what our students are bringing to the classroom. And then there's an opportunity for teachers in professional development to step back and explore their beliefs and examine it and really ask the question, How are my actions in the classroom and my instructional decisions influencing my students? And when we stop and do that, then we're becoming more self-reflective about our academic identity. We're putting it in the forefront. To that point, how often do you think it's important for teachers to self-assess, take a moment and really kind of, you know, go through these things and kind of take stock of where they are. Is that something like a new school year? Should it be multiple times? Is it different from person to person? What would you say? Yeah, that's a great question. I think when it's, when we look at an academic identity as the anchor of everything that we do, then we can't ignore it, right? The anchor is always there. We see it. And so if I build it into my practice, uh, perhaps it's every week at a grade level team meeting, I might not have academic identities on my agenda, but if it's an anchor, then it's going to drive the conversations that I'm having at that grade level team meeting, right? So we don't want to put this off and make it a yearly or a quarterly thing, but you want to make it a part of your practice to constantly assess where am I? And I think it shows up naturally when you're doing things like reviewing student data or when you're preparing a lesson for the upcoming week. It's a natural part. When it becomes a natural part of your process, your instructional process and your instructional model, then it becomes easier to really address your academic identity on a regular basis. 
We need to take a break on KYW News Radio in depth. We will continue our conversation with Venetia Hubbard in just a moment. But first, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda. KBB.com's best value brand of 2023. Contact your local Honda dealer today about the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid. Now let's get back to our conversation about academic identities on KYW News Radio in depth. Our guest is Phoenicia Hubbard of NWEA. Give me a, an example or, or describe to me what you think. If everyone is in a healthy space with this in a classroom, what do you think it looks like? Oh, that's a great question. I, I like to think of, let's imagine a math class. A math class with healthy academic identities amongst all of your students is going to look like students who are okay with getting an answer wrong because they know that that's part of the process, right? I don't expect you to understand it and get it right the first time. What we're doing is learning. We're exploring. It might look like students just naturally getting up out of their seats because they're so into the learning that now they're sitting on the floor and they don't even realize like, oh my goodness, I'm not sitting in my seat anymore. Sometimes I call it the butts up theory. When you look around and everybody's in their chair and now they're sitting on their knees, you know, now I know that they're into the learning. It looks like noise, perhaps. Sometimes it looks like a lot of intense silence because people are processing, right? So it's going to show up in a way that students' intellectual curiosity is visible, as well as the teachers, right? So what does it look like from a teacher's perspective? It looks like a teacher asking questions that are beyond yes, no questions, right? They're leaving space for their students to explore topics comfortably. And it might even look like students then asking questions of their peers to help them dig deeper with the learning. I'll never forget the time I assigned a homework assignment and my students started clapping and cheering. That is an indicator of very healthy academic identities. I'm excited to explore this topic a little bit more. I think back to my teachers, and we're talking a while ago, so it was a different world. But I frankly think I probably had teachers that might not even been comfortable with that. How much do teachers have to be comfortable with differences like that, that just because it looks different and maybe all the rows aren't even and stuff like that, that that's not necessarily a bad thing? Because I'm sure I had teachers that would look at it as something is off if kids aren't sitting properly in their seats and stuff like that. I completely agree with you, Matt. I mean, I'll never, I remember administrators telling me, Ms. Hubbard, your class is a little bit too loud there, but that was a good loud, right? And so I think we have to give ourselves permission to be uncomfortable with things that might feel uncomfortable in the classroom, right? So on the flip side of that, asking yourself as an educator, why do I feel the need to have this order and control in my classroom? What am I literally trying to control and manage? Am I trying to keep my students thinking limited to this one little box because I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I open that box? And if that's the case, then I need support as an educator being more comfortable with that. And so how do we do that? How do we get people to the point of being comfortable? We create professional development experiences that mirror what we want to see in the classroom. So as an adult learner, when you're coming to improve your craft and your practice, I'm giving you the space to do the same thing that I expect of your students. 
I'm okay if the room gets a little loud and noisy and if we get excited or if maybe we disagree a little bit. I want that. I invite that. And so it's up to us as educators to model it so that we can continue to get uncomfortable. Life begins, I always say life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So come on, every day we need to let life, life in the classroom. And that points out the importance of this being a team effort from a district, from a school, because like you said, having somebody, you know, a higher up go down the the hallway and be a little alarmed at how loud the classroom is or how different it is from maybe quote unquote traditional, how it looks. You got to have everybody kind of understanding what you're trying to do here or what's on, on the table here, right? You have to. It has to be a team effort. Otherwise, there's no concerted effort. Like collectively, we're all responsible for the academic success of our students. And that's a belief that we have to carry across all disciplines, across all of our instructional models. It has to be from administration to our paraprofessional staff to our students in the classroom. Like everyone has to embrace this mentality that academic success is a non-negotiable goal for everyone. We focused a lot on educators. From a student standpoint, at what age do you think students start to become cognizant of their academic identity? When do you think they start to understand kind of who they are from this standpoint? Or is that a sliding scale as well from individual kid to individual kid? No, that's a great question. I think the awareness begins at home, honestly. It begins when we start learning because we're constantly getting feedback from the adults and the the people around us about who we are as a student and what it means to be a learner, right? So if I'm constantly told no, 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 that's impacting my academic identity. It's it's maybe shutting me down from questioning things. It's it's stifling my intellectual curiosity as opposed to um, if I'm in an environment where maybe everyone around me doesn't understand what I'm learning, but they understand the need to help me explore my learning. Right. So I'm being supported and being curious about the world around me. Now I'm developing a healthy academic identity. And I also think about like children's natural development. Think about the age when a child looks in the mirror for the first time and they realize, oh, my goodness, that's me. You know, <laughs> they're, bec- they're, they're becoming more aware of who they are continuously. But I think it's important that we help students define what it is at a certain age. Right. Particularly around you look at. For math education, when we tend to lose or move certain students forward, fourth grade, seventh grade, middle school, around that age, then it's important that we help students hold a mirror to themselves and say, all right, how am I experiencing teaching and learning? What does it mean for me to be a learner? How do I define success? And how is my teacher helping me define success? What are ways that you would suggest people become more aware kind of put this in the forefront, what are some ideas you would give to to educators and to students to to kind of make sure that you're aware of the importance of this and how it's shaping you every day? We can can maybe approach it as if we were going to the gym. Think of it as a muscle that we constantly have to tone. And if I don't use it, I'm losing it, right? So if I am on the forefront of my own self-awareness. I'm being a self-reflective practitioner and a student, and I'm constantly sitting back and saying, where am I now with my learning? Where am I trying to go? How am I getting there? And what supports do I need? And those are questions that any student can answer, particularly with the guidance of an adult that's helping them through it. Now what I'm doing is intentionally building that muscle of self-awareness and self-reflecting. 
And I understand that this is a passion for you and you've actually you've written on this. Kind of tell me a little bit about that. I have. And so I have a book called The Equity Expression. And what we're doing is helping teachers really understand how equity relates to academic identities and issues within the classroom and our teaching and learning. So one thing that we do in the book is we define what is equity, right? I think as a, as a nation, we have an understanding of what it might be, but do we have a shared understanding of what equity is, what it does, and what inequities exist for our students, right? So if I'm a teacher that is perpetuating unhealthy academic identities in my classroom, that is an issue of equity, clearly. And so in my book, what I help people do is draw the connection between those things. Equity is a huge topic, and it's hard to address all of different facets of equity. We can talk about disproportionate access to resources in school. We can talk about technology. There's so many ways you can go. But in my book, I use six entry points. And those six entry points give us a way to hone in and say, all right, here's the focus for our school year. If our entry point is systems, or if our entry point is spaces or products or relationships, where might we start to examine how equitable we are in our practice? How much or to what extent are we believing that academic success is a non-negotiable goal for all students? And then what actions do we need to take to, to move forward? That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.